Good morning. morning. Welcome to Nellsville First. And if you're watching online, please, if you're watching via Facebook, use that comment section to announce your presence so you can connect with others who are watching at the same time. Today we're focusing on our series, We're Back, and we're talking about the importance of Christian conferencing and discipleship. Please join me in the call to worship that we'll share in responsibly. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord. God hears our cries for help and rescues us from all our troubles. God redeems the life of all people. None who take refuge in God will be condemned. I invite you to stand with me as we join in singing number 158, Come Christians, Join to Sing. together this morning. May your spirit rest upon us so we listen to your praises in song as we hear your word proclaimed, as we experience the fellowship of your people. May we find it the resource we need to find strength to move out into the world and engage it, that we might be that witness to the world that is so desperately needed in this time. This is our prayer through Christ who is our Lord. Amen.
morning. This morning we'd like to share some parish concerns and some joys. This morning we'd like to lift up Melinda Emmert, who is recovering from surgery. For Jim Decker, who had a procedure Friday in the hospital. For Jerry Graham, who is recovering also from surgery. For all who are in danger in Afghanistan or suffering in Haiti. For those also experiencing and enduring the Northeast hurricane this morning or the wildfires out west. We also would like to share our joys as we celebrate the marriage of Mike Mills and Laura Flory, who were reunited yesterday. And we are joyful for the privilege and opportunity to be here together again. We are thankful that our doors of the church are open for worship, for prayer, for song and fellowship, at least for today. Please remember to share your concerns with us using the website link to prayer requests or use your Noblesville First app where the prayer request form is also available. You can contact your pastoral care team for upcoming surgeries or pastoral needs at care at noblesvillefirst.com and the word first is spelled out or the 24-7 care line at 317-773-2590. You're welcome to use that anytime.
Please join me in a call to prayer. God of all creation, the world is filled with your goodness, and all nature sings in praise of you. We give you thanks for the beauty of your creation, for the stillness and rest of the night, and for the day filled with light and hope. In the beauty of this place, we come to pray and receive your healing touch. Calm our souls, heal our hurts, and grant us that extra measure of faith that we may truly serve you by serving others. We pray in the renewing name of Christ our Lord. Amen. Now please join me in a moment of silent prayer, then followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. And in just a few moments, we'll hear the pastors speak about Christian conferencing, which is a way for us to hear God's voice as we talk to one another. So in this vein, I would invite you now to close your eyes and to picture yourself sitting at a table. On the left sits Deputy Sheriff Barney Fife. On your right sits Jesus. So here you are, just the three of you, and Barney is all riled up because he just wrote you a speeding ticket. As we sit together at this table, let's listen to what they might be saying to each other and maybe what God is trying to say to you through Barney. It may be a challenge, but let's listen together. Jesus, thank you for sitting with the deputy and me today. As you know, Father, sometimes when I pray or listen, I crowd out your voice with runaway thoughts, and you can't get a word in edgewise. You try to speak to me, but sometimes I don't listen. Perhaps I need to practice more patience and truly be still to hear you through Barney and others. God, you use all things, like the people sitting right next to us today, to speak directly to us. But yet, we don't recognize it as God speak when we should. Forgive us when we cannot hear you through other people because of our own preconceived notions about others and the situation at hand. Our minds get in the way of the spirit, sometimes blocking what you mean us to hear. Perhaps this is why you tell us not to conform to the ways of this world, Father, so that we can hear you when you reach out to us. Help us, Lord, to be better listeners to each other as you speak 
through them. Take away our stubbornness, our bullheadedness, and the ungodly need to always be right and always be heard first. Jesus, help us to be careful and mindful listeners so that we, too, can walk in the light of your love always. And Jesus, thank you for always listening to our prayers, including the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Many of us are disturbed by what we're seeing in our world today. Watching news media, the polarization is just incredible. And it's all over social media, and it's even entered our community here in Ellesville. Just go to the school board if you know what I'm talking about. We can't even have friendly discussions with, about current events with our friends these days. And this isn't healthy for our community, it's not healthy for our country, and certainly not healthy for our democracy. I believe as Christians, we need to model peaceful and constructive dialogue. So Noblesville First has been invited to partner with the Noblesville Diversity Coalition and do it what they call community conversations. And, and let me read what Noblesville Diversity Coalition is about. It's a non-activist group whose mission is to educate, celebrate, challenge, and inspire Noblesville to be a welcoming and inclusive community and embraces all cultures and identities. So if you want to learn more about NDC, I go to NoblesvilleDiversityCoalition.org. I'd like now to invite Norm Williams to share why he thinks this work is so important. To, to me, the, the reason why I wanted to do this and why it's important to have these conversations, I think if you've looked over the past few years, people have stopped really learning how to have conversations when they disagree. I think, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, talk about religion, politics, and maybe a few other things, but I think that's kind of where we've gone wrong. And I think this is these type of conversations kind of bring that back where we can have conversations we don't have to always agree on everything but it allows us to hear the other person's viewpoint without um, being angry and being disagreement and, and even if we don't ever agree maybe there's some middle ground or at least some understanding that we can come to and i think especially when we look at a lot of things we want right now i think we've got to learn how to do that so those are first has now four trained hosts we're ready to do a couple test conversation we'd like to get done this month. And then we hope to invite hopefully up to 50 people to gather together and have groups of five to seven persons to hold conversations. The job of the host is not to push any particular agenda. We hope to have different perspectives so that our job is to make sure that uh, people are respected and heard. And we hope we'll learn from one another by just sharing what we see and experience from these perspectives. So please check out your connection card 
and check the response there, or email me at jreardon.com if you have some interest in learning more about these groups or participating in these groups. So I'm excited about this thing. I think Noblesville is a very special community with special people, and Noblesville First is a church that's engaged with our community in unique ways. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to show the world a better way to deal with the conflicts we're experiencing right now. this time, I invite you to pull out your connection card, and as we do so, we invite the children and leaders to head forth to Noseville First Kids programming this morning. And you'll find that uh, connection card response that we just mentioned in the video, uh, right there at the top. Uh, these would be 90-minute conversations, five to seven people apiece. So if you have the interest, uh, please check that. We'll be in touch. We'll try to put people uh, in these different groups representing a variety of perspectives so we can learn from one another. We're excited about this project and hope that you'll join us in that effort. Also, please note that Getting Started with the Bible is uh, going to begin on Tuesday, September 7th. So if you're not all that comfortable with your Bible, this is a great class to learn more and get more excited about using it in your personal life. Also, Jen Howe has asked that we uh, have a response to find out who's interested in getting Envelopes each year, so more and more people seem to, seem to be using the online giving option, and that's great. If you still like to have offering envelopes, we will have those available for you. Announcements to bring to your attention. We'd like to lift up that the youth group will be having a pizza party today from 4.30 to 7 to get to know our new associate director of family ministries, Olivia Dearland. So please uh, come on out to church for that. Uh, we could still use uh, some two liters of pop if you can bring some along. That would be great or drop them by uh, for that event. Also, our missions team is selling mums to raise funds for our congregation's annual trip to Mission Guatemala. We hope to do that again someday, so we need to continue that fundraising effort to be ready when we can. Orders are due Monday, August 30th. And tickets are available for the Teeter Farm to Table fundraiser, which is Friday, September 17th from 6.30 to 8.30. Uh, those tickets are, this is a major fundraiser for our food security mission, so please come and support us. And uh, we'll have a great time. Chef Samantha Lambert is, is quite the entertainer. She explains the choices for food and what goes into it, and we just have a great time. So we hope that you'll come join us on that evening at the Purgatory Golf Club. And if you happen to be new, please be sure to uh, check afterwards with Bonnie Zickcraft, our hospitality coordinator. She has a free gift for you and some information for you uh, connect, get connected with our, our faith community. I think the rest of the announcements you can read on your own, so please check them out. And at this time, we'll receive this morning's tithes and offerings. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity, the privilege of making this world a better place, of implementing the dreams that you have for this world and for us. Help us to, to gather what we have, to make sure we turn a portion for the work of your kingdom, for the benefit of this world. Please multiply what we offer and focus it in the places that can make the biggest difference. And thank you for the chance to serve. This we ask in the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.
I am Mr. Toms, and today's scripture comes from the book of Acts. Some people come down from Judea teaching the family of believers, unless you're circumcised according to the custom we received from Moses, you can't be saved. Paul and Barnabas took sides against these Judeans and argued strongly against their position. The church at Antioch appointed Paul and Barnabas and several others from Antioch to go up to Jerusalem to set this question before the apostles and the elders. When they arrived in Jerusalem, the church, the apostles, and the elders all welcomed them. They gave a full report of what God had accomplished through their activity. Some believers from among the Pharisees stood up and claimed, The Gentiles must be circumcised. They must be required to keep the law from Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After much debate, Peter stood and addressed them. Fellow believers, you know that early on, God chose me from among you as the one through whom the Gentiles would hear the word of the gospel and come to believe. God, who knows the people's deepest thoughts and desires, confirmed, by, confirmed this by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, but purified their deepest thoughts and desires through faith. The entire assembly felt quiet as they listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God did among the Gentiles through their activity. When Barnabas and Paul also fell silent, James responded, Fellow believers, listen to me. Simon reported how, in his kindness, God came to the Gentiles in the first place to raise up from them a people of God. Therefore, I conclude that we shouldn't create problems for Gentiles who turn to God. Instead, we should write a letter telling them to avoid the pollution associated with idols, sexual immortality, eating meat from strangled animals, and consuming blood. We thank God for the gift of Scripture. He's grown a little bit since I've seen him last. Wow. <laughs> He's played football for Western Boone High School now. Well, during the month of August, we were talking about the things that COVID has limited, the gifts of ministry that have been so valuable, and we're bringing them back. We will navigate this virus no matter what comes, so I know that every week is a new experience for each of us, but hang in there, and we'll find a way. We've so far talked about the gift of community, we've talked about how vital it is that we do gather together and move out of our cocoons. We mentioned the fact that research shows that we laugh five times more often when we're with others than when we're alone. We talked about the gift of song, which we're celebrating every week. Thank you once again. We talked about how vital it is that it certainly speaks to our hearts and how Jesus um, commanded us to sing, that, that we're commanded the scriptures to sing, and also that some of our New Testament is made up of hymns of the early church. And then last week we talked about touch. We remarked at how often Jesus used the method of touch to bring about healing to the people that came to him. We decided that the woman who had the issue of blood should not be known for that, but known for having the courage to touch Jesus. And we acknowledge that we all have different levels of comfort with touch that has only been made more complicated by COVID, but that God has designed us to touch and be touched. Today we're going to talk about 
the gift of Christian conferencing and discipleship. It's maybe uh, difficult to wrap our heads around. We're going to focus on the scripture that we just read, which is known as the Jerusalem Council. And as we think about that story, Pastor Jill in a little while is going to dive in a little deeper because this happens to be one of her favorite scriptures. I'm going to kind of go a roundabout way to talk about and apply its meaning to us today. So, so please bear with me. I've found that I've been on a spiritual journey about how we apply scripture and Christ's commands to our lives. And it really started for me when I realized what I was praying when I prayed the Lord's Prayer. So, you know the Lord's Prayer. Why don't you start it with me, okay? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Whoa, 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 stop right there. Do you realize what you just said? I bet I prayed this prayer probably 30 years before I woke up one time and realized this is a radical prayer. Because we're asking God to make the way it is in heaven reality here on earth. And that is quite a call. Now, we could spend all day talking about what heaven looks like, but a few things that I think would be givens is that it's a place where everybody has enough to eat. It would be a place where there's no war, a place where it doesn't matter what you look like, that all people are loved and accepted. And here we are being called by Jesus to make that a reality. And it's important to realize that Jesus gave us the Lord's Prayer not to give us some words to somehow win God's favor, but he gave us this prayer to shape our faith and our living we pray this prayer, it should be a call to arms. It's a call for us to live into what we are saying. And that has changed the way I look at Scripture and as I look at Christian responsibility in this world. You see, I used to think it was my job to get people saved, get people to heaven, to understand the grace of God that loves and accepts them as they are. And I certainly still believe that. But I've also, because of this prayer and because of some other scriptures, I've come to realize that's only part of the job. That we also have this command, this call, to make the world as God intends it. We talk in Methodist lingo about justifying grace, and we also talk about sanctifying grace. We're called to make things holy. And so if we're going to have the full gospel, we've got to embrace scriptures like Jesus' first sermon when he was in Nazareth. And he got up and he read from the scriptures and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, proclaim release to the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, and to liberate the oppressed. And then there's that, that chapter in Matthew 25 that, that I probably ignored for a long time but finally had to come to grips with and take seriously. And remember, it's the story where Jesus tells this parable-like scripture in which he sees us coming before the judgment seat of God. And people are being separated into two groups. And one group is those that cared for the marginalized in our world, and the other is the group that ignored it. 
This passage says it so clearly. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who receive good things from my father. Inherit the kingdom that was prepared for you before the world began. I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, <clears throat> and you welcomed me. I was, a naked, I was naked, and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. See, if we're going to live out the full gospel, we've got to do both things. We've got to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to change hearts and minds. That will make the world a better place. But we also got to make sure that we make this world as God intends it. I mean, what good is a gospel where Jesus is offered as the bread of life and we let children go to bed hungry every night? We have to do both. So <clears throat> that's where my theology is. <clears throat> and when I come into our world, which is a very messy world right now, <clears throat> right now, I realize that God's got dreams for this world, and it's part of my responsibility to make those dreams come true. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we bring that into this very messy world that's found a way to argue about everything. Now, every political discussion gets fought out in the news, social media, or political protest. And we find it so rare just to sit down and talk. I know there's some that would just assume we come to church, we leave all that stuff on the outside, right? Just talk about things that lift us up. Let me tell you, one of the best ways to be lifted up is by us coming together and making the world a better place. It can be a powerful thing, and it does happen. But our world's really messy. We argue about everything. Politicians, office holders, news media, they play to strongly held beliefs and sometimes pour fuel on that existing inferno. And the polarization is so intense that we no longer trust anybody who seems to come from a different perspective. We're so quick to put people in boxes and not listen. So here's where the scripture comes into play. The first century church operated in a very messy world too. And Jews had this method they used to set themselves apart from everybody else. And one of the key things was circumcision. That at one time was a very important thing when they lived in a pagan world that involved a lot of temple prostitution. And that was one mark of distinction for the Jewish people. And so they lived into that. That was part of their following of the Torah law. So now they are now taking the good news of Jesus Christ out into the Roman world where they're running into all kinds of cultures, different understandings who don't know the Torah law. And there was a group of people that sometimes are called the Judaizers. And they would say, well, if they're going to follow Jesus, they also got to follow the Torah law, which includes circumcision and all kinds of other things. And the missionaries, like Peter and Paul, who had gone out in the world, found that a very big obstacle to people converting to Jesus Christ. So they had a council. They got together. And it says there was lots of debate. That's the nice Christian way of saying, they argued like crazy. <laughs> they fought this out. And they came to an understanding. And they did that 
impossible word. They compromised. Can you believe that? I'd love to hear that word more often today. They compromised. And they decided they don't have to be circumcised. But please don't eat meat that's been sacrificed to those pagan gods. And practice sexual morality. Don't practice sexual immorality. They came to that agreement, that understanding, that helped them continue and expand the Christian message throughout the Roman world. Someone described the Jerusalem Council as the historic event where they chose we over they. I love that. Chose we over they. John Wesley called Christian conferencing a means of God's grace. And I have experienced some of that grace too. I've had some productive conversations with people who have asked to talk about some of these difficult subjects. And when we get together and talk, we discover we agree on about 90% of everything. And if we have a willingness to compromise, we find some understanding on that other 10%. Well, that's the gift I think Christians can offer to this world here and now. And boy, do we need it. I attended the Noblesville School Board meeting Tuesday night. And let me tell you, we need it. I went there to support our school administration that's having to make some tough decisions right now. And I especially wanted to support School Superintendent Beth Niedemeyer, who have come to know as a person of great compassion, who always does what she thinks is in the best interest of our students. And I had to listen to her intelligence and her integrity being questioned. It was hard to keep my mouth shut. The anger, the ugliness, it was so painful to listen to. Well, that's the messy space we're in right now. I think it's a space that Christians need to enter and bring a spirit of respect and love. We need to break down the labels, the categories we put people into, and treat every person, even the ones we think are our enemies, as a child of God. And that's what we're trying to do with the community conversations that we've just talked about. It's an attempt to, in, to implement the spirit of the Jerusalem Council. Those early Christians declared that relationship is more important than doctrine. They chose to engage the world instead of running from it. The Jerusalem Council chose we over they. In a very real way, they lived out what it means to say, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we pray for our world. And I know many of us in this room, we've shaken our head many times as what we watch. There's craziness on, on both sides. So help us enter that space and bring a spirit of love and respect and, and the ability to listen the ability to learn. This is our hope and prayer. In the name of Christ, who is our Lord. Amen.
Well, good morning. Several years ago at the church I served on the south side of Indianapolis, I had a church member approach me during the coffee time after worship that morning, and he was obviously very distraught about something I had said during my sermon. He asked me, is there a time in scripture where a group of people change their mind about something? Without much hesitation, I mentioned this very story of the Jerusalem Council from the book of Acts, where after, as Pastor Jerry said, much debate, heated argument, the leaders in Jerusalem agreed that as long as Gentiles were following the basic laws of the Torah, they did not have to be circumcised in order to be fully brought into the life of the church. Unfortunately, this person did not accept my answer. He became even more irate when I explained that since biblical times, the church has, after much debate, in fact, changed its mind on many things, on slavery, on women in leadership and ministry, on gender roles, and many, many other things that we could debate about. It was then that this person walked away disappointed, and after a few weeks, he and his wife left the church. Now, I'll admit, I was frustrated by this interaction and the decisions that followed, but it served as a reminder to me that unless all parties have open hearts to hear and receive what the other is saying, we will not get very far. It served as a reminder to me that this story of the Jerusalem Council found in the book of Acts is a vital turning point in the life of the early church. Without this debate and the difficult conversation in the early church, I doubt we would be standing here today. And let's be honest, men, aren't you very relieved? Yes? At Teeter, we got a round of applause for that. I mean, come on, let's put it out on the table, right? (laughs) The unwillingness of both parties would have caused more harm than good, and the church would have suffered for it. So let's take a look at the key players in the text. We have the early Jewish Christians and the Pharisees who are telling the non-Jewish believers that they must be circumcised according to the law of Moses in order to be saved and fully accepted into the faith community. Then we have Paul and Barnabas who are saying, no way. (laughs) And then there are the apostles and the elders who meet to debate and make this decision. And, of course, Peter and James, who are also advocating for full inclusion of the Gentiles. The bottom line is this. Should the Gentiles submit themselves fully to Jewish law, including having a painful bodily procedure in order to be fully accepted into the church of Jesus? At the root of this difficult conversation is really about the need to belong. It's asking how we belong to what we belong, and how we enter into the community together. Now, the best way that I can think to explain what is happening in this passage is to look at my most favorite Dr. Seuss book of all time, The Sneetches. Anybody not read The Sneetches? If you haven't, pick up a copy. You can also have it read to you on YouTube if you want to do it that way. My all-time favorite. But the story starts out with two kinds of sneetches, one with a star on their belly and one without. So let's take a look what they thought about this. 
Now the star-bellied Sneetches had bellies with stars. But the plain-bellied Sneetches had none upon Mars. No stars on their bellies. No stars upon Mars. Now those stars weren't so big. They were really quite small. You would think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star-belly Sneetches would brag. We're the best kind of Sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. They'd have nothing to do with a plain belly sort. Ronald, remember, when you are out walking, you walk past a sneech of that type without talking. Keep your snoot in the air and remember to snort. We have no truck whatever with the plain bellied sort. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You only could play if your bellies had stars, and the plain belly children had none upon Mars. Yeah, yeah, your belly's got no stars. Stupid little star. If there's one upon your tummy, that's just yummy. You're my chummy. If there isn't, you're a crummy, slummy, gummy, bummy, dummy. <laughs> you get the idea. <laughs> Luckily, the story doesn't end there, right? A stranger comes into town with a machine that can give the non star belly sneeches stars on their tummies, of course, for a price. <laughs> and they go right into the machine, finally feeling like they have it made. But then the original star bellies get angry and end up going into the machine for a price to have their stars removed. <laughs> so after a time, the Sneetches going in and out of the machine, they run out of money and they're all mixed up. The stranger goes off with his stack of cash and they learn their lesson, don't they? That it doesn't matter if there's a star on your belly or not. A Sneetch is a Sneetch and they belong to one another. No one is better, no one is privileged, no one is left out. Now, who would have thought that a children's story would be so profound and be about maybe circumcision, right? <laughs> who knows? But this can teach us as adults a profound lesson about how we are wired as human beings. The mentality of us versus them is part of our ingrained neurobiology, and we can't escape it. But we can be challenged by doing away with our preconceived notions of others. We can get ourselves out of the trap that most of us have fallen into when we say, I can hate large groups of strangers because the members of those groups who I happen to know and like are rare exceptions. Think of it this way. During the election season, people were heated. I can't tell you how many times I heard someone say, well, those Democrats, or well, those Republicans, followed by, well, except for my neighbor who, you say. There are always exceptions when we try to lump people together, aren't there? One of the most challenging things that I'm doing now is serving as one of the clergy persons on the Indiana delegation for the General Conference. 
I was elected in 2019 in order to serve the 2020 General Conference, but with COVID, it has now been placed on hold until the fall of 2022, and even that is now in question. It has been a contentious time amongst those in the delegation who disagree on many things, especially around the topic of human sexuality in the United Methodist Church. I admit that at times I find myself angry at certain individuals as they share their thoughts and opinions on things and how they choose to share them. Many of us are tired and weary of the discussion, but we have to press on like we're stuck together now <laughs> for longer than we anticipated. If I'm not careful, I find myself in the middle of that us versus them mentality and have to redirect my thoughts before I speak. Brene Brown, in her book, Braving the Wilderness, talks about the human need to belong and the ways we seek to belong first and foremost to ourselves. Sometimes that means braving the wilderness, setting boundaries, being able to stand in your own truth, and embracing vulnerability in order to belong to yourself. As part of this, she proposes ways for people to face difficult situations in a very polarized world. One of the ways she challenges us to face this truth is when she says, people are hard to hate close up, move in. Right? People are hard to hate close up, move in. Now, as much as I may not like to admit it, I have found this to be true. Whenever I find myself getting a little heated by something a person is saying, I have to remember that they too have a narrative from which they are speaking. They have past hurts. They have personal lives. They have successes and failures and experiences that have shaped them. They have joy and they have pain. That doesn't mean that I have to agree with what they're saying or like what they're saying, but it does mean that I need to consider that this too is a person with a right to a voice and an opinion. Perhaps this is why the Indiana Conference came up with these Christian conferencing guidelines several years ago that I hope you received on the way in on a little piece of paper. If you didn't, please grab one on the way out. That is for your own use in your home or your work, wherever you feel like you might need it. Now, we use these at each delegation meeting as a way to frame our time together. We ask ourselves, how are we doing at holding ourselves accountable to these? And we admit the times, the many times that we have failed. And we also name the times that we have succeeded. And to keep them in front of us as a guide and oftentimes a challenge. Perhaps you too will find them helpful as we lift up the gift of Christian conferencing in our faith community. So you have them in front of you and they say this. Respect others of Jesus would have done when he was here on earth. Pray for others as well as yourself, especially those with whom you disagree. Listen to others before thinking about what you will want to say in response. Understand what others are saying so clearly that you could accurately state their view. Share your own point of view with grace and humility as well as honesty and candor. Focus your comments on issues being raised and not on persons expressing them. 
Commit yourself to the unity of the Spirit, seeking consensus whenever possible. Give the time needed to work through the process in which you are engaged. Acknowledge that you may be wrong even when you may be right, when you think you are right. This is my most challenging one, personally. Allow the fruit of the Spirit to permeate your way of interacting with others. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So which ones are most challenging for you or easiest for you? So we need to center ourselves on these guiding principles. And we have talked about how we are so polarized right now about pretty much everything. People are angry at one another because they refuse to see the other side. And that's just it, because at the root of it all is the human need to belong. And our ability and willingness to engage in loving and respectful dialogue with the humanity of each person at the front and center, we can follow our mission together. It's becoming more and more impossible in today's world to find ways that people are overcoming their differences to be better. But not all hope is lost. Take the people of the Pakistani village of Kabastad, for example. There they are. The village got worried when they heard about violence in a nearby town of Gorja. A Muslim mob had attacked a Christian community and it had torn the whole town into a mess of violence and hatred. They did not want that happening in their town. So when their local Christian church was swept away in a monsoon, they got the chance to do something about it. The Muslims in town started a fundraiser to help the Christians out, partly to out of sympathy and partly as a way to bring the two split sides together. Muslims helped out eagerly, donating every penny that they could, and they raised enough money to build a brand new church for their Christian neighbors. A church is also a house of Allah, one Muslim shopkeeper said about it. We worship the same God. So the early Christians debated about whether or not those Gentiles should be fully accepted into the life of the church. Those sneetches were too focused on those little stars to see a fellow sneetch. A group of Methodist pastors and lay people elected to make decisions on a global scale for the denomination, we find challenge in coming to a consensus in decision-making. But these all have one thing in common, a struggle to see the humanity and likeness in the other, and a struggle to recall that at our core, we all need a place to belong. And there is forgetfulness around the fact that we worship the same God. As Brene Brown says, People are hard to hate close up, so move in. May we hear the challenge today as we continue the journey together. Amen.
peace with the love and knowledge of God, knowing and remembering that people are hard to hate close up. So move in. Move in. Amen. Go in peace.